the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Now, at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock, thanks again for joining us for the Bob France Authority. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, you know, it's, it, I hope I didn't overstate the danger here, but I don't think it's possible to when we talk about the very first issue I discussed with Congressman Jordan, and that is Joe Walsh's now uh, GOP primary challenge to President Trump. Joe Walsh is a former congressman who's got a big following. He's got a he's got a Salem radio show at night, um, uh, you know that starts every night, and and I don't even tell you the time because I don't like to promote it, and you know this is this is literally, um, you know uh, a violation of Radio One Hundred One. Radio One Hundred One, you know, essentially dictates you have to cross promote the other shows on your station for everyone to be successful. I love it when I hear Hugh Hewitt mention Bob France, local host in Cleveland, helps me out. Helps us out. I love it when Larry Elder talks about Bob France in Cleveland. Makes me feel good. And when I get to host their shows on a national stage, I get to advance myself as well. All of these things are, you know, what we do. We, it's Radio 101. You have to, to support the other hosts on your station. And I always stop with Joe Walsh because I will not support somebody who is so blatantly uh, against the President of the United States. I will not uh, tell you to listen to him. I will not tell you to support him. I will not, will not tell you to do anything of the sort, because I knew what he was up to. And now that, of course, he has made his ridiculous announcement for uh, President, that he's going to run to primary President Trump, calling President Trump a genuine threat to this country, he sounds no different, in all honesty. He doesn't sound any different than uh, than Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren, or any of the other cesspool of candidates, or the squids, the four freshman members of Congress, um, that all continue to try to attack President Trump. So why would I support someone like that? Now, I want to, by the way, I mentioned Joe Biden. One thing I will say this, at least, at least Joe Walsh 
unlike Joe Biden, at least Joe Walsh probably knows where he is. So I, we should probably point that out. Uh, for Mission of Keen. I'm back. I've been here a number of times. Last time was, I think, uh, all the way back in 2014. But I've been here before that. I love this place. I love, look, what's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town. What a, I mean, this is sort of a scenic, beautiful town. The mayor's been a good guy, and they've got, everybody's been really friendly. I like Keene a lot. I just, uh, of Keen. I just, I'm back. Yeah, I heard it. I just ran. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just saw a squirrel. I had to chase it for a second. Bear with me. Um, that's, that's the Democrat frontrunner, Joe Biden, standing in Keene, New Hampshire, asking the reporters there, um, what's not to love about Vermont? I mean, what a beautiful city this is. This is absolutely beautiful in terms of the beauty of it. I mean, I've been here many times to Keene, and, and I love Vermont. Joe Biden has lost it. Not is losing it, has lost it. And yet he continues to be the front runner for the Democrat nomination. Just had to throw that out there. Uh, I'll talk more about that later, but back to the Joe Walsh side on the Republican uh, uh you know, uh, side of things. The the former congressman turned radio host has long been planning this. He's going to tell you, as I played for you in his campaign announcement that he launched over the weekend with a little two-minute and 15-second video, he's going to claim that this is something he just came to because, oh, my gosh, I just cannot allow this country to, to withstand the threat of of, of uh, Donald Trump uh, for, for one more day. Uh, I have to do this. It's time to be brave. This has been something that has been in the works, I promise you, for at least the last year and a half, if not the full two and a half years of the Trump presidency, because he has been taking shots at Trump for that entire time. Nobody calls himself a conservative Republican and yet does that much hard work for the Democrats unless they themselves are trying to take out that that, uh, conservative Republican president. And that's what Joe Walsh has done. Now, how is it possible for Donald Trump to win in those circumstances? How is it possible for him to overcome, as Congressman Jordan said, he has, for two and a half years, he's overcome a lot to get a lot of things done. But how does he overcome that to get reelected? That's a question that I'm going to try to answer here in a moment, right after I hear from Jim in West Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jim, go ahead. Yes, I, I'd like to make a comment about Joe Walsh. I heard uh, through the grapevine, uh, through a very uh, re- reliable source, that he's going through a very ugly divorce by his wife. And he's about ready to get thrown on the curb with his flintlock and his dirty laundry. Uh, he's way behind in his child, child uh, support payments. He's on, he's, on the dying, he's on dire straits. He's at the end of his rope. He owns some property, I don't know, 11 or 17 acres or something up there north of Chicago. A beautiful place. And uh, the Democrats are going to pay him to get, uh, to get this done. He's like a Ross Perot kind of a thing. Uh, and I don't know why Salem Media doesn't throw him off the air like they did Kami Schultz off the plane dealer. It's a conflict of interest. He's got to well, suck a whole lot more before you can even consider him a rhino. He's a demon rat. Go ahead. Yeah, he really is. He really is. He's, he's lying about what party he represents. He's lying about his political ideology. To call him a conservative is an absolute uh, oxymoron. There's no way. And thank you, Jim, for the call. I, too, have heard those things about divorces and child support and so on and so forth, but it's, I'm not going to go into that because I don't find it too terribly relevant uh, to his run for the presidency. Uh, as far as... Um, uh, him being thrown off of the air. I can't speak to that because I don't work in management. Uh, and I, But I have been told, a uh, little 
sidebar here. This is very, very different. But um, I, I have been asked on on a couple of different occasions over the course of my twenty years and twenty two years now on radio uh, if I'd ever thought about running for office. Uh, from local to people have suggested that I run for Congress uh, and, and other things. And one of the things that I've always told them is I could never do that even if I wanted to because I would have to give up my job. This is my career. This is my. This is how my bills get paid. This is how my family gets supported. I couldn't just run for president full-time because it re- would require me giving up the radio airwaves because they wouldn't be allowed to keep me on unless they gave my opponent in any campaign equal time and give them their own you know, daily radio show. So I wouldn't be allowed to stay on. So if he is a declared candidate... It's my understanding, based on what I just said, that he will have to give up his radio program that he uh, that he has at night. But I but I can't make those decisions or those announcements because I don't know. I, I I just can't I can't do that. But I do know that I've been told that I wouldn't be allowed to uh, stay on the airwaves if I was running for office. So that sh- that should just give you an idea. Let me get back to this idea of what the president is facing. He's facing the likes of of Joe Walsh, um, who isn't a threat to beat him for the Republican primary, obviously. Uh, But Joe Walsh can do a lot to hurt the president. Joe Walsh and other Republicans who are never Trumpers can harm the president, which thus harms his campaign, by, by if not turning people to them, just turning them away from Trump. In other words, these people won't turn and vote for a Joe Walsh or vote for one of these other nobody Republicans, uh, and they certainly can't find it to you know stomach the idea of voting for a uh, you know an Elizabeth Warren or a Kamala Harris or a uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke or a Joe Biden, but they just stay home, and that of course then hands the election to the the Democrat. Um, so, so Joe Walsh can do a lot of harm to the President of the United States in that regard. He can do a lot of harm to the President's reputation. He can do a lot of harm to the President's campaign messaging, and so on and so forth, which is what he's going to do. And then the other thing, even if he, know, excuse me, he knows, he knows he will not be able to beat President Trump in a Republican primary that the incumbent president is going to run for his reelection and be uh, in the general election. What he can do is be the guy that ruins his chances by running third party. And we all know that there have been some liberals, including the CEO of Starbucks, who is a multi-billionaire who has threatened to run as a third party candidate because he doesn't like Donald Trump, but he doesn't like the Democrats either. And some have said that would give the, the, the presidency to Trump if he runs third party. Because it will split the liberal vote. Liberals who like uh, the actual Democrat nominee will be one way. Liberals who don't like the actual Democrat nominee but will never, of course, vote for Trump can say, aha, I voted for Schultz. And that would give Donald Trump the uh, uh, the nomination. Tom Steyer is another one that has said uh, he could run, and liberal Democrats are screaming, please don't run, you're going to split our votes. Well, that could be what's in the mind of Joe Walsh here. I don't have to win the nomination. I don't have to beat Donald Trump in a primary. I have to make enough noise to be a viable third party, not even viable, but a noticeable third party candidate to give Republicans and conservatives who would never vote for the Democrat but cannot hold their nose and vote for Trump again. I will give them a place to cast their ballot. Cast it over here with me. That would essentially remove Donald Trump from power, giving the power to the socialists, and that's what the president is facing. 
Now that's not the old, that not the end of it. That's one element of it. The rest of it comes from the media. Quite frankly, what the president calls the enemy of the people is truly the enemy of the people. I'll explain the depth of that problem right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 1025. I told you I want to get to the media part of the president's uh, obstacles, you know, the things that he faces in uh, trying to not only continue the restoration of American greatness, but also the uh, obstacles to being reelected. I'm going to take a break from that, though, because of this breaking news story. I just found this out, and I find it absolutely hilarious. It's the last day of the G7. And the President of the United States, who has been working very hard talking to the other world economic powers, the leaders of the uh, the rest of the world's economic powers, and he has uh, pushed very, very hard back against China in this trade war, as you know, with respect to tariffs. And China has blinked and said, let's come to the table to look for a calm end to this thing. So the President's working very hard on our economy. He's been very, very diplomatic with all of the uh, officials, including with um, uh, uh, French President Macron, who invited the Iranian representative to one of the meetings with President Trump, something that Nikki Haley, the former uh, U.N. ambassador, called extremely disrespectful to the president because Iran is in the middle of all of these, like they always are, screaming, death to America, death to America. And how do they dare you bring this non-serious guy to a negotiating table that we have massive sanctions against? But the president said, no, no, it's okay. Uh, 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 president Macron asked me if I was okay with him being there, and I said yes, so it's fine. So he's being very diplomatic. But the one thing he's not doing, just found out this morning, is talking to anybody about climate change. President Trump saying Chinese officials have been in touch, asking to restart trade talks. And I think we're going to have a deal, because now we're dealing on proper terms. They understand and we understand. He said serious negotiations would begin soon. The president skipping a G7 meeting this morning on the environment. The White House saying he had one-on-one meetings with other world leaders scheduled, so a senior official went instead. <laughs> I love that. He didn't have one-on-ones, or whether he did or he didn't. He's not going to sit there and listen to the rest of the world, including the world's top two polluters, um, China and India, going to sit there and lecture him on how come you're not part of the climate change? How come you're not part of the Paris Climate Accords? Why did you pull out of that? Um, I absolutely love this. So they are coalescing, the way it's being reported, around an empty chair. <laughs> A senior administration official reportedly presided at the meeting in Trump's absence. However, the president's stark white chair sat empty long enough for photographs to be taken of the other world leaders gathered around the American empty chair. Uh, the other G7 leaders agreed to give $20 million to help uh, fight fires in the Amazon rainforest during the meeting. Uh, white House Press, Press Secretary uh, Stephanie Grisham explained the absence, again, which you just heard about uh, uh, one-on-one meetings, 
When asked during a bilateral meeting with Angela Merkel why he didn't attend the climate sessions, Trump replied, we're uh, having it in a little while, apparently unaware that he had already missed the session. The president was asked about the session again in his bi- bilateral talk uh, with uh, Modi, and he said, I want clean air and clean water. That's it. <laughs> so he is not going to be a part of this ridiculous climate change game in which the United States is going to be blamed for all of the world's problems and all of the world's or the environmental issues and so on and so forth, and be demanded that they institute some sort of a carbon tax to stop Americans from leaving such big carbon footprints uh, in something that would, of course, do nothing but harm the United States economy. They're there at an economic summit, and now they're going to talk about something that has nothing to do with the economy unless, of course, you allow it to destroy your economy by enacting ridiculous carbon taxes and other penalties for advanced industrialized nations. No, and especially... When the other industrialized nations and the world's most populated nations, like China and India, are not participating. They're the ones who have their, uh, their, their carbon output uh, doubling and tripling over the course of the last 10 years. The United States has actually shrunken without the need of any international uh, you know, carbon taxes or anything of that nature. But we're the ones who are going to be pulled into it. President Trump said, nope, nope, not on my watch. So he skipped the carbon or the um, Climate change, uh, meet, climate change meetings at the G7. All right, going to get a bottom-of-the-hour news break here, and on the other side, I'll come back and talk more about the enemy of the people. As I mentioned, the president, who continues to be derided by uh, everyone, especially his Democratic opponents, for calling the press the enemy of the people, is 100% correct. The latest example of that is coming up after the news on eight fourteen twenty. The Answer. You've been a little quiet this morning. If you would like to end that and change that, dial right now, 216-901-0945, I kind of have a feeling you will once you hear uh, the audio that I'm going to play for you now, and I follow through with the uh, promise of talking about the president's obstacles in addition to rhinos and phony conservatives like Joe Walsh who are going to try to take votes away from the president either by making them vote for no one or voting for him as a third-party candidate when all of this is said and done. He's got the ongoing obstacle of the media, a media that is more than just unfair, a media that is reprehensible, a media that is impossible uh, to, to justify. When the president calls them the enemy of the people, this is the kind of thing he's talking about. CNN, Brian Stetler or Stelter or whatever the heck his name is. He's not important enough for me to know, quite frankly. Uh, but Brian Stelter had uh, a little uh, little panel, if you want to call it that. And he had uh, one of the panelists, a Duke University psychiatry professor named Alan Francis, who, when discussing President Trump's impact on the globe decided that President Trump might be responsible for millions of deaths and that he's been far more destructive than Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, and Joseph Stalin. Let me say that again. CNN put a guy on who called Donald Trump worse than Hitler, Mao, and Stalin. And the CNN host of the show sat silent. 
on CNN's Reliable Sources program yesterday. Stetler, or Stelter sat there silent, did not challenge, did not question, did not say, whoa, 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 that's a bridge too far. I don't like Trump either, but you can't say that. Sat there and allowed this to go forth. This is what we mean when we talk about the media being an enemy of the people. This is what we mean when we talk about millions of people getting their news from CNN. As if CNN is a reliable news source. For crying out loud, the name of the program is called is is, uh, is Reliable Sources. And Brian Stelter did nothing to stop this guest from this savage and impossibly. I, I, I mean, honestly, it's 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 hard to fathom the 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 level of this attack. The level, the, the nature of this is just so impossible. It's, it's, it's unimaginable, quite frankly. Here it is. Well, I think that medicalizing politics has three very dire consequences. Hmm. The, the first is that it stigmatizes the mentally ill. I've known thousands of patients, almost all of them, have been well-behaved, well-mannered, good people. Trump is none of these. Lumping the mentally ill with Trump is a terrible insult to the mentally ill, and they have enough problems and stigma as it is. The second issue is that calling Trump crazy hides the fact that we're crazy for having elected him, and even crazier for allowing his crazy policies to persist. Trump is as destructive a person in this century as Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were in the last century. He may be responsible for many more million deaths than they were. He needs to be contained, but he needs to be contained by attacking his policies, not his person. It's crazy for us to be destroying the climate our children will live in. It's crazy to be giving tax cuts to the rich that will add trillions of dollars to the debt our children will have to pay. It's crazy to be destroying our democracy by claiming that the press and the courts are the enemy of the people. We have to face these policies, not Trump's person. Now, it's I wish I could share with you the image. This is radio, so I can't. You'll have to see this for yourself. And if you follow me on Twitter, you can, and Facebook, and Parler. Uh, the face of Brian Stelter as Alan Francis, Duke, psychi- a psychiatry professor and a practicing psychiatrist, claiming that Donald Trump is as destructive or is more destructive to this century than Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were to the last one, and then saying could be responsible for millions more deaths than even they were. Brian, I wish I could share with you the image of Brian Stelter's face as he sits there just staring straight ahead, dumbfounded. How do you not? I, I, look, I've been doing interviews, and, and many with pretty powerful people, much more powerful than a Duke psychiatrist, where when you hear something that outrageous, that indefensible, that that unimaginable. You cannot allow that interview, uh, that interview to continue without an interruption. You can't. You must. It's in our. It's 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 part of. I don't know. It's it's an unwritten code. Whatever you want to call it. If I had a conservative that I supported, if Jim Jordan came on with me, he was just on me last hour. Came on with me and said something that outrageous about a Democrat. I would interrupt and say, Whoa, whoa, whoa! I have callers. 
non-important people, when I say non-important people, don't take that that way, callers. I mean, uh, non-public figures is what I'm trying to say. But callers who call up and say things that I think are a bridge too far. I correct them or I interrupt them and I say, no, I'm not going to allow that on my show. I'm not going to associate that with what's on my show. I don't want people hearing that sort of thing and saying, I heard on the Bob France show that blank and then attribute it to the Bob France, Bob France, the host, when it was something that I felt was just inappropriate. It's what we do in our business. We can't allow unsubstantiated, slanderous attacks on people to go, to, you know, to be broadcast without challenging them and interrupting them and saying, wait a minute, what did you just say and why? How do you justify that? Stelter sat there and listened as this psychiatrist, this professor from Duke, said that Trump is worse than Hitler, Mao, and Stalin and will kill millions more people than they In did. this century, as Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were in the last century, he may be responsible for many more million deaths than they were. He needs to be contained, but he needs... And Stelter sits there staring. How do you not say, whoa, 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 what, what do you mean? He's going to be responsible for millions of deaths, more deaths than Mao, Stalin, and, and Hitler. What are you talking about? And by the way, those three, Stalin, Mao, and Hitler, estimates vary, but I can produce estimates that would indicate they were responsible for nearly, combined, 100 million deaths, 100 million murders. That would be fully one-third of this country right now. Hitler is often referred to as having killed 6 million Jews. He killed at least that many non-Jews as well. Stalin is usually regarded as having killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million dissenters and political opponents. And Mao, again, estimates vary, but if I'm not mistaken, I've seen numbers, when you talk about the number of deaths that he is responsible for, that are well over 50 million. Now, again, I don't have it all committed to memory, but but I think I can produce uh, estimates from historians who will tell you that the three of them combined are pushing up near 100 million deaths. And this guy goes on CNN, says this, unchallenged by Stelter, and then toward the, the, uh, the tail end of his little segment there, his little soliloquy, he says, um, Donald Trump is endangering this country by calling uh, the, new, the, the media the, the enemy of the people. You just proved it. You're using the media to make these outlandish, barbaric claims against the President of the United States, unfounded. You're not being challenged by the host on CNN. Now you're going to tell me that the media is fair? Is CNN being fair to the President of the United States by having you on to make these statements? I mean, the the lack of self-awareness of these wild liberals and they're wild they're not civilized they're wild and i mean that in the in the true sense of the term between wild and domesticated wild animals and domesticated animals wild beasts and civilized persons these people are i swear to you are wild they have been driven perhaps that way by trump derangement syndrome to the point where their civility is gone Their domestication is gone. They have reverted to a state of wild animal-like violence. And some of it is verbal violence, and some of it is Antifa-led physical violence, but they're wild. And this wild, fanatical liberal just claimed that Trump 
is going to be responsible for millions of more deaths than three individuals who may have been responsible for a 100 million deaths. TJ in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, you know, Bob, you know, maybe Trump is uh, worse than Stalin, Hitler, and Mao, but he's still better than Obama was as a president. <laughs> no. but, yeah, but that's not the reason that's I'm That's funny, you but know, okay. These, yeah, these psychiatric people, I think most of them are nothing but voodoo. Uh, I remember listening to a program a few years ago, and they had a woman psychiatrist who actually specialized in global warming stress. And she told her patients, you know, that one of her cures were to carry a pine cone in your pocket. And when you start to feel stressed out about global warming, pull that pine cone out and pet it and fondle it. Now, they were taking calls from the audience. You know, and this guy called in. And all he told her was, lady, you ain't nothing but voodoo. He says, you ought to take that pine cone and sit on it. And you could hear all the technicians in the background just roaring, you know, when they heard this. The problem in this country are too many of these psychiatric professionals. We have them in our schools. We have them everywhere. And the people are nuttier than they've ever been. Our schools are in worse shape than they've ever been. And all they got is psychiatric people everywhere telling us, you know, what what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And if you look at a lot of them in their personal lives, they're screwed up. And yet they're going to sit there and charge you $150 an hour to tell you how to straighten your life out. It, uh, I'm telling you, most of them are nothing but voodoo. Well, you know what, TJ? I think you're right, uh, largely. And that doesn't mean all of them. We're not trying to paint everybody with the same broad brush there. But wi- uh, you know, uh, widely, I think there is a lot of, of truth to that. I want to follow this voodoo guy's um, uh, claims with a little bit more on what I was just saying. I told you I could produce sources that would say uh, that close to 100 million people, I, and I estimated around 50 million for Mao Zedong, uh, Chairman Mao, the communist revolutionary, the founding father of the People's Republic of China. And the first one I found is uh, great, Mao's Great Leap Forward killed 45 million in four years. At least 45 million people were worked, starved, or beaten to death in China over four years. That's just the first one that I came across. Hitler, I noted, um, what is you know widely you know believed to have killed just the six million Jews. When I say widely, I mean just because that's what people talk about all the time in the Holocaust: the six million Jews. That the that the Jews did not constitute the whole, the totality of his murders. While that part is true, Hitler is widely believed. And where did I find that particular uh, story? Hitler's deaths. Now I can't find that one, but I, I told you it's it's believed by most to be uh, roughly twenty or uh, uh, double that amount, twice that amount uh, that he killed at least as many six million non-Jews as part of his campaign. And then Joseph Stalin, as I mentioned, and I don't have time to look all this up at the same time, is widely believed to have killed anywhere between twenty and I used the low end of that when I said twenty, twenty and fifty million. So you know, you, you literally are talking about the three, if, if three of, if not the three, biggest mass murdering, psychopathic dictators in the history of human civilization. And I'm not going to go back to Attila, and I'm not going to go back to the Roman uh, uh, Empire, and I'm not, but, but at least in modern uh, human civilization, with respect to Mao, Stalin, and Hitler, they may be the three 
worst mass murdering dictators in history. And now that is what CNN is allowing Donald Trump to be called worse than without challenge. Tell me again how the media is in any way, shape, or form not the enemy of the people. 1048, going to come right back. If you want to get in, do it now. 216-901-0945, the Bob France Authority. Right back for our final segment after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1051 now, final segment of this Monday edition of the Bob France Story. I want to hit you with a couple of other examples of this media bias that we've been discussing and how the president is going to have an incredibly uphill climb, very, very difficult climb, to be able to get a fair shake in his reelection campaign from a media that allows people to come on to CNN and proclaim he's Hitler, Mao, and Stalin all rolled up into one, to the unfair press coverage that he is enduring right now at the G7, uh, this morning on Fox and Friends, Tammy Bruce discussed, uh, she's on the uh, Fox Nation, from Fox Nation, discussed what the president is, is facing here again, not only with his political opponents slash colleagues from the other members of the uh, G7 uh, in this summit, uh, but from the way the press is covering him. Uh, obviously, what we've learned from the media is that they make things up. Right. They're in their own separate reality. Even with start with the beginning of him going there, deciding what they were going to report. We've seen like with the New York Times and that leaked transcript, deciding what the next two years of news is going to look like. And the American people are tired of that. It's a shame that the American legacy media is being destroyed by people who are that selfish and that that obsessed. But the fact of the matter is the president's making it clear and we see the results. This is what's interesting. We're, we're not having to take his word for something. Every time that they say something's occurring and he moves in to, like, make this deal and the G7's going very well, we see the end result with him. And yet the media still pretends as though that didn't occur. Well, I'm glad you brought that up at the end because it's like if if you hear somebody say one thing and it turns out to be something completely different, it's like, wait a minute, I thought you told me that this was going to happen. Yes. At some point... People lose faith in that. Well, well, they do. And then if that continues on for years and years, then you actually go to a doctor and then you, maybe you go to a shrink's office and maybe you get medication in the normal world because you're so detached from the reality of what's going on. We can all have different opinions and have a different idea about how we, how we move forward in this country. But this is, as the president's noted, and is obvious to everyone except, I guess, the people who go to cocktail parties with the, with the New York Times, is that something's wrong, that there is an actual desire to gaslight people into believing something that is not true in that the president doesn't right. know what he's doing. And yet we see now time and it's time an election again, year. What do you expect? But, it, but this it hasn't been like this before, because now it's just about lies from the system overall that are harming the country and harming right. how the country is being viewed. Harming the country. Lies that harm the country. Lies about the way this country is viewed, affects the way this country is viewed. Think about that. How can that not be considered an enemy? If you are lying to intentionally harm this country and the way this country is viewed by other nations, how are you not doing this country a grave disservice? And if you're doing this country a grave disservice, how are you not considered its enemy? So the president is right. And I'm going to give you another opinion on this now. This is Michael Goodwin from the New York Post. 
you know, you heard uh, Tammy Bruce in that segment from Fox Nation talking about the New York Times leaked staff meeting notes, right, in which they essentially declared how they are going to cover the next two years, um, particularly the next 20 months or so, whatever is left until the, not even 20, of the uh, uh, 2020 campaign before November. So what, about 14, 15 months of, uh, until uh, the actual election in November of 2020, but how they're going to cover this. And the bias that is implicit in their own descri- descriptions. While reading the transcript of that New York staff, or excuse me, New York Times staff meeting, it's impossible not to be disheartened and furious, writes Michael Goodwin in the, in the uh, New York Post. And you might think this is just sour grapes. It's the Post writing about the Times, but the Times leaked uh, transcript is legitimate. It's not. This isn't opinion. This isn't an opinion writer for the Post talking about his competition at the Times. This is their own words that are being referred to here. It's impossible not to be uh, disheartened and furious. The transcript shows that the root, or excuse me, that the rot of bias at the times is far beyond the pale, and there's no hope of recovery. Yet not a single person that declared the obvious, that the paper is betraying its principles. No one declared that this is betraying the principles of journalism. They're just okay with this. Rigor in reporting and restraint in judgment once made the great lady noble. Now she is dead. Her homicide and inside job. The transcript, leaked to Slate, reveals a confederacy of ignorance and bigotry involving hundreds of people. The ringleader is the executive editor, Dean Baquet, who fires the fatal shot into the credibility of his newspaper. By giving reporters and editors license to try to stop Donald Trump from becoming president, then letting them peddle the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, Baquet helped unleash the hatred that is tearing America apart. Never before has a single media institution played such a destructive role in the nation's life. Think about that the, the, the power of those words and the accuracy of those words. Never before has a single institution played such a pivotal role, a destructive role, in the nation's life. Uh, but Baquet is not finished. The 75-minute meeting shows he's now determined to destroy the president by painting him as a racist. I think we've got to change, Baquet tells his assembled staff of the New York Times after acknowledging that the paper was, quote, a little tiny bit flat-footed when special counsel Robert Mueller performed so poorly before Congress. In other words, he's expressing dismay that everything we've worked toward here, which is to invalidate the Trump presidency by way of the Mueller report, proving it, well, we've got nothing now. So in other words, we've got to uh, find something new. We followed hook, line, and sinker Hillary Clinton's fiction that Trump conspired with Putin to steal the election. So we've got to go somewhere else now, which is where Buckett's newest idea for stopping Trump is given birth. Quote, how do we cover a guy who makes these kinds of remarks? How do we cover the world's reaction to him? How do we cover America that's become so divided by Donald Trump? Oh, my God, every time I hear that, I just get so frustrated. Trump is not the divider. You, in the media, at the New York Times, and on television, are the divisive forces. How do we write about race in a thoughtful way, something we haven't done in a large way in a long time? To me, that is the vision for coverage for the rest of the next two years. Paint Trump as a racist is what he is saying. And that's how we'll do it. The New York Times, CNN, NBC, all of them conspiring 
to steal the presidency from the duly elected president of the United States because of their own political ideological differences. And they're not even putting a curtain in front of it anymore. They're laying it bare for all to see. Staggering. Truly staggering. Thanks for uh, being with us for today's edition of the Bob France Authority. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Then Prager. Then Dr. G. Then don't forget Jay Sekulow Alive and Larry Elder. And then stop right there. We'll see you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 